Hey guys, Virginia is here, and you're listening to the Fashion Photography Podcast, the one and only show you can find everything you want and everything you need about the fashion photography business. And apparently, not only, because my guest today is taking major part in the commercial photography industry. And you can make sure of that by clicking on the link below where you can find his website and more of his work. Today we'll be talking about the start of his career and what he did in order to become well-known in the magazine industry. But more importantly, what is he doing right now in order to step up his game? I think this is the perfect time for you to meet my very intelligent guest and also a very colorful photographer. Hello, I'm F. Scott Schaefer. I'm a commercial photographer. I live in Los Angeles, California. I've been working photographer for probably close to 25 years. My career has spanned through the film age to the digital age, and I've had many evolutions. My primary work is done in entertainment. At the beginning of my career, I went to Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, and I was working before I graduated, which was very lucky. And mostly I did a lot of editorial, portraiture, celebrity-based, and I did a lot of album covers when there was still a music industry to shoot album covers for. And did some commercial advertising. My work was known to be very colorful, and then at that time as well, in the 90s, there was a very strong kind of trend for a very scratchy, black and white, kind of sepia style, like a very old camera, turn of the century style that I think was a, a beginning of sort of a protest to what the digital age that was coming. I've been fortunate enough to make a living as a photographer since 1993, and um, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always a good sign. <laughs> It is. So you've been working before you've graduated? Yes. When I went to school, I was a little older. I, uh, I'm from Northern California, from San Francisco, the Bay Area. After I graduated high school, I didn't really, I, I loved photography. I used to sneak my camera into big concerts in the 80s. In fact, I, uh, I was like a club kid during the age of, of heavy metal in San Francisco. So I watched Metallica, Mr. Bungle and Testament, all these like really heavy metal bands kind of come out of the clubs. And um, in, the, in the early 80s, before they became really big, especially Metallica, that was through high school. I never took any photo in high school, but I would just take live concert photos and sneak my camera into big arena shows and then sell the pictures at school. But then after I graduated high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I didn't want to go straight to college. I kind of wanted to mess around. There's a lot of stuff going on in my life at that time. But I basically spent five years after high school going to junior college and kind of taking a class here and there. But then I took a fine art black and white photo class at this college called Diablo Valley College in the Bay Area. And I was introduced to photography as an art form of expression. And I loved it immediately. And I had dabbled with it when I was a very young kid, you know, in the dark room and stuff. But this really kind of lit me up a little bit and gave me an, a different avenue to use the camera to express myself. And then I proceeded. I was working at a grocery store as a janitor. And the best thing that ever happened to me, I think, that kind of helped me was I got fired from that job. <laughs> in the 80s, you weren't allowed to have an earring and your hair 
couldn't go over your collar at this grocery store. So I uh, got fired because my hair touched my collar and I wore an earring. So I ended up getting a job. Instead, I said, well, I don't want a regular job. I want to work in photography. So I, at the time, there were a lot of uh, one-hour photo labs. And I found a lab, actually, a photo lab that had a full-service lab as well. And my boss, Tom Bamel, who was an art center graduate, hired me. And I didn't know anything about anything. You know, I didn't come from an art background. My parents were. My mother was very creative, but my father worked in an office, you know, as a horse suit just to work every day kind of thing. So I didn't have any influence growing up. But when I got this job, I learned all the darkroom techniques from hand processing, color film, both slide and negative, to color printing, to black and white printing, to copy work, to small product photography. I worked there for, I guess it was almost three years. And I learned about Art Center. I started taking pictures and using the lab to print my own work. And then I submitted my what I had as a portfolio then to the school, which was at the time a very difficult school to get into. But at that time, I was 23 years old and I was really ready to kind of make a move in my career. And that's when it happened. So by the time I got to art school, I was already technically proficient Mm-hmm. In terms of printing and color and even lighting, I knew how to use portable strobe and I kind of self-taught myself a lot of things, but I didn't have any real education in concepting or art or any kind of background. And I'd never been in an environment like that. So for the next three years at Art Center, I just basically, the, the jazz, I think the, the jazz musicians call it woodshedding, but I, I just buried myself in school and photography. I didn't have a job. I just worked off scholarships. And for three years, I just lived that world. All my fellow classmates were all from all over the world, from Europe to Asia to South America. And they all had very different points of views and different points of self-expression. And they, on top of the things I was learning at school, but they were really my teachers. And I really learned to kind of develop a sense of creativity and using what I'd learned technically to kind of create a little bit. And so by the time I was in halfway through, I had a portfolio already and I started submitting it to magazines around Los Angeles, which is where the school is in Pasadena and to record companies and places like that. And then I took a trip to New York because another student had done the same thing. And he kind of told me, he's like, you got to go to New York, got to get your portfolio together. There's this place you can stay in New York called Hotel 17. You can stay there for 150 bucks for the week. It's like a hostel and you just get a room. There's a shower down the hall and hit the bricks. So I had two portfolios and pre-cell phones, pre-pagers, pre-anything. And I take a stack of quarters and go to this little diner and start cold calling all the record companies and magazines and pitching myself to let them look at my portfolio. And I didn't tell them I was a student, just told them I was a photographer in from Los Angeles. And I got some great stuff. You got to check it out. Give me five minutes of your time. And I spent a week of doing that. And slowly but surely, I started getting a little bit of work here and there, little little assignments for magazines. And by the time I graduate, I ended up doing a campaign for uh, Cruise Line, another campaign that won awards for this company called Roland that does keyboards and musical instruments. And I graduated and I was already working, but didn't make it easy. But I, I was already moving forward, which was great. That's kind of where it began. Do you think that this cold calling strategy would have worked nowadays? No, I don't think it would. I mean, it's hard enough as it is. And the way I gathered basically that experience for me is that the fact that I was visiting 
from Los Angeles as opposed to being a local New York photographer helped because my time was limited and therefore they were more willing to give me a, a little bit of time. A lot of times too, they had at, at that time, was, there was no websites, so there was nothing like that. It was, it was portfolio reviews. I had two copies of my portfolio and a lot of times they wouldn't see you, but you drop it off. You know, so they drop it off, review it, and give it back to you. Wouldn't meet anybody. But the thing that I would get that was always encouraging was they would give you a pre-type note. Thank you very much for dropping your portfolio off at mm -hmm. New York Times Magazine. Keep sending us new work. That would be sort of a pre. They just slip it in the book. But throughout that, I would sometimes I would just get the pre-printed thing, which you never know if anybody actually looked at it or not, or get an, a handwritten note along with that. And so I lived the faith of pursuing this would help because I get these really positive handwritten notes. Like I really like your work. You know, I really hope we can work on something together. Keep you know, keep in touch, please. You know, things like that that really helped me continue, encouraged me to, that I was kind of on a path that was going to work out one way or another, hopefully. These days, man, the landscape has changed a lot, but I think email blasts, people send direct emails. We do have personal meetings. We try to get together like having a lunch tomorrow with the client and people I've worked for, but you got to continue to you know keep those connections and reintroduce yourself all the time. So it's it's a job in itself. Oh yeah, definitely. And like you said, it's so much harder nowadays because it's also full of people doing photography. Yes, there are. There's a lot of photographers and there's a lot of really good photographers. True. And yes, it's very saturated. Media in general is we're very saturated with a lot of people that are very good trying to eke out a living at this. And the budgets have changed. There's a lot of things that have changed that make it difficult. But at the same time, it's just a new kind of map, I guess, a new blueprint that you have to kind of reinvent yourself through via Instagram, people that get a lot of followers start to build careers through that. I have an intern kid that worked for me when I was in New York, just worked in my studio and helped with day-to-day -day things. A young photographer went to art school and you know, trying to make his way. And he's now got well over 100,000 followers. And he is making a living based on his Instagram and following and what the work he has done. And he has control of what he likes. He does headshots. He works in entertainment. But he doesn't want to go further in the commercial world. But he's created a niche for himself, shooting headshots for quite a bit of money. And he's photographed very, very, very A-list famous celebrities carved out a little corner for himself that he can control. You know, young kids understand how to use social media to their advantage. And that's amazing. Old guys like myself are like, oh my gosh, I have to get in there and <laughs> see what these guys are doing. It's fun. It's fun. It's difficult, but it keeps you on your toes. But it's interesting at the same time, which is also yeah. very important. Absolutely. Talking about social media, what's your Instagram account? It's at F. Scott Schaefer. And you can also, guys, find it in the show notes. You're saying that you're old and you're bad at this, but that's not really true. Not bad. I shouldn't say I'm bad at it. I'm not, I'm not, well, I'm older, you know, I'm certainly not. Maybe yeah. edit that out. <laughs> let's be no, honest, because people doing... cannot see you. So let's not right. frustrate them. 
I'll send you this really scary picture of myself that'll <laughs> see like this old man in a wheelchair with, oh, with an IV drip and an oxygen mask <laughs> hanging in there. No, I've just been around for a long time and it's a new age and it's yeah. fascinating. And I'm not one of those people that's like, well, back in my day, you know, we shot film <laughs> and, you know, this is how we did it. And photography was a true art. I mean, it was a different art and it is, it's a craft. Photography was from soup to nuts, a lot more involved to get a final product. These days, it's a little different. But the people that know how to use Photoshop and Lightroom and all the tools to their advantage, they're great. They're good. They know how to light. They know how to do the deal. So even when I was at Art Center, the first computers in Photoshop were just beginning, literally. They started a computer lab in my last semester in 1992. And they had these, I think that what they call them quadras or something like these. But the files, they have these giant, what they called SciQuest disk drives that were huge. They were like six by six inches square and they only held 30 megabytes of storage and you'd make one move and it would take 20 minutes, you know, like you just try to go in and brush a layer or, you know, do something. It would just sit there for 20 minutes doing it. You could go get coffee, have a snack, make a call and come back waiting for it to get done. So it was very primitive digitally at that time. But all of us had worked tirelessly to create our style through film. And there was a whole nother realm to that. You could use different papers, different films, cross-processing bleach processing, all these different things that were is very chemical, very in the dark room. It was like a science experiment and it was really fun. Not to say it isn't now, but it's just different. I mean, I love digital now, but it took a long time for me to wean myself off of film. Oh, so you've been resisting. <laughs> I've been doing it quite a long time digitally now, but when yeah. it came through, there's already a lot of people in my business who are just so into it. And I was like, no, but the first thing I did purchase that kept me in film was I, I kind of finally gave into Photoshop. And at the time, I was being represented by outlines for my celebrity stock sales. And there was a retoucher in New York that would work on my, my imagery by scanning the images and then kind of cleaning them up in Photoshop. And so I just basically for a year sat behind her and watched her work in Photoshop. And that was how I learned how to use Photoshop. And then I bought a scanner, a really nice high-res Imicon scanner. It was a drum scanner and started scanning my job. So when I get work, I'd still shoot film, but I'd start scanning my negatives instead of printing them and then bring them into Photoshop and working on them in Photoshop, which I loved because I had absolute control over everything, which I, you know, because I was a very good printer. I would shoot an album package in New York, they had these rental dark rooms, black and white and color labs that all the photographers, we would all go in, you'd rent space. And there was you know, the Koreanite machines that process all the pictures. And we'd be all in there doing our thing. Oh, what are you working on? I'm doing this magazine story for Vanity Fair. Or someone's working on an album package or someone's doing some commercial job. And we're all like, it was this little kind of weird community. But that's how it was done. You know, I'd print all my stuff right there and you'd be done. And, um, You'd spend days working on things and now you can just bring them into Photoshop and you'd have absolute control over like dodging and burning. And that's how I sort of see Photoshop is just darkroom that I have full control over dodging my shadows and burning in my highlights and color correcting and playing with stuff. And of course, there's a lot more to it than that. But that's how I began to really love it because I had absolute control takes time. You know, I've had many evolutions in my career. And that's, I think, the thing that's difficult for a photographer is 
the goal is you want to be hired. You want to be able to make a living. But the way you crack in is you sort of get categorized. You're the funny, colorful photographer. You're the lifestyle, smoothed out, monochromatic photographer. All these different things and that you get kind of put in that sort of corner or room. And then they use you and use you and use you until they don't want that anymore. And then you have to kind of evolve out of that into something they do want, which is weird because you can't really chase a trend, but you just have to continue to evolve, which is the hard part, but also it can be the fun part too, because you get to rediscover what you can become and what you can create. Oh, definitely. Plus, it's so important to somehow manage to save your style. You don't depart from what you are. It's not like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I mean, I'm sure in your work, you do the same thing. It's you. You can't really change you completely yeah. to try to become something else. Well, I could, I guess, if I really found a passion to it. Never is not the right word, but it's like I'm not really interested in being fly by the seat of your pants, a photojournalist or a kind of a lifestyle, natural light, capturing kind of fashiony stuff on the beach or whatever, you know, people playing. So that's not my passion. I guess it could become if it was something I just was inspired by all of a sudden and went after that. True, you never know. <laughs> yeah, but whether or not that's the way, maybe it would still have a taste of who I am, I'm not sure. Many times when I've tested or just tried to go another way, it's fun to go a completely different way and people don't expect that. And if you get an opportunity that people hire you to do that, that's even better because then they pay for the shoot. You know, I've had many times when, you know, you go through slow periods and it's like, well, I just want to shoot a really dark fashion story and I don't shoot fashion but i like the idea of lighting day for night fashion on the style mm -hmm. of like gregory crudson or you know something that's really moody but yet colorful and very very lit and cinematic i love that kind of stuff i put it in my portfolio it sticks out like a sore thumb but who cares sometimes it works i'll let it sit in there for a while or on my website and then you move it or take it out or something but for me it's also showing that i can also i'm, I'm not just one person i'm not like just this is the only thing i can do i love photography i'm a photographer i can do anything I really can if aside from the things like lifestyle i can do it but i think that's a different kind of practice but it's a more cinematic somewhat controlled environment of lighting is something I love to play with. I think everyone can sense this because you are very colorful in your work. That's true. And there is a lot of Photoshop when it's needed. But your work with the light is just amazing. Thank you. I love lighting. That's what photography is. It's light. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about Photoshop and I wanted to ask you a lot. Do you do it by yourself now? I do the look of everything. Like I said, the Photoshop's a glorified darkroom, so I'm very mindful of when I shoot vision of how I see it finished. So it's kind of like you you shoot the job or shoot the image, and it's sort of like writing the score, and then the Photoshop part is like sort of the performance, I guess you could say. And that I stole that from Ansel Adams. Ansel Adams is a very famous black and white landscape mm -hmm. photographer from the 1940s. But he always called the negative was the score and the print was the performance. So yes, I always feel like in Photoshop, I love getting in there and playing with the color and doing all the things that get me what I was intending. Certain aspects of my job now are composite-based, so they get backgrounds get shot separately. I do a lot of work in entertainment with the networks where they'll do movie mm -hmm. posters and mm -hmm. billboards and things like this. 
they want to be able to have options to create many, many options of backgrounds and environments. And with the age of digital, so much can be created and manipulated. So it makes it much easier for them to have control. But even in that regard, like I always try to have a say in the look. Now, when I'm working on things that I do have absolute control over, I do have a retoucher I work with. It's uh, Gene Bressler at Catchlight Digital in New York. And I lived in New York for almost 20 years until I moved back to Los Angeles five years ago. And he's still my retoucher. And he's a genius in terms of being able to construct worlds, to be able to take pieces of things and build credible, seamless realities. So he's really good at that. Not to mention with skin. Skin is not my favorite thing to work on especially on women, hair is a terrible thing to work on. I'm sure you know, it's like if you have to strip out a background (laughs) or something, it's very, very difficult to cut a mask and do it flawlessly. It's very time consuming. And honestly, I, I do not have the patience for any of that. I'll do a very crude comp and then I'll give it to him and he finishes it. And that's how I work. But generally, my responsibility is the look and also controlling how much gets retouched how far it goes and if it should be brought back or brought in. And so, you know, he'll do his piece and then he'll send it back to me and then I'll finish it from there of how I want it. And then it gets shipped off into the ether of cyberspace to whoever (laughs) needs it. How did you find your retoucher? When I was working a lot in magazines, I used to shoot a lot for Maxim magazine and Blender magazine and all these magazines in New York. It was kind of a lot of girly stuff going on in the late 90s, early 2000s. And he was doing a lot of the retouching for the magazine. I started working with him through a couple of assignments I did. And I just liked how he worked. And I'm kind of a, a loyalist, I guess you could say. I work with other people, but he and I just had a good connection and still do. So it was just sort of by working on another job through that magazine that I was introduced to him. And it was early enough for me in digital that I had no idea. At that point, I don't even think I was dealing with Photoshop that much. So I would see what he could do with other people's work in the magazine and other places he had worked on. So it helped me kind of graduate into that world of digital The person I work with at Corbis, Jessica, who I learned Photoshop from, she also did a lot of my work for me then. But she was working for a company. Gene has his own company. So by the time I left, moved on and started really shooting digitally, he really was my main man and has stayed that way. And the beauty of the fact is he's in New York and I'm in LA. It doesn't matter, except for three hours time difference. I just send an image via Dropbox in 30 seconds. He has it and he sends it right back to me and... 20 minutes finished, so it's really wonderful. I'm so excited to tell you that there is a second part of this interview, so next Wednesday you'll be able to hear the rest of it. Until then, you can visit my guest's website, but also judefashionmagazine.com and neverlandmag.com. For all these three, you can find the links in the show notes. If you want to be part of our group on Facebook, go check out the link. It's also in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with me today. And I'll see you this Friday with another episode of the Fashion Photography Podcast. <laughs>